Good evening and welcome to the Journey Church. I'm so glad you've joined us. If you'll take your copy of God's Word and turn to Galatians chapter 5, we continue our weeks-long study on the fruit of the Spirit, and we begin in Galatians 5, verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornications, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us walk also in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Today we pick up the subject of goodness, of goodness at this point in our study of the fruit of the Spirit, we are examining those graces which relate especially to our dealings with fellow men. For example, long-suffering is defined as the quality of self-restraint in the face of provocation, which does not hastily retaliate or promptly punish. Kindness defined as the sympathetic kindliness or sweetness of temper which puts others at ease, and uh, shrinks from giving pain. So we've looked at long-suffering and kindness. Now we take up the subject of goodness for the next few moments. The word for goodness is agathosune. Agathosune. It means uh, perhaps in an English way it's very difficult to define but uh, in its general nature, but it, it's, it's the word goodness and it's defined from its context, so it, it doesn't just come across. Uh, it doesn't just come across in English really well. The Greek mind would understand it. So I'm going to try to uh, take the Greek mind and make it English for us. Um, we might say that that is a good animal over there, or he is a good man, but good in what way? And it is that the context then would define the sense. And as I have shared many times about definitions in the Bible coming from the original language, it's not enough just to have the definition. You need to know the sense in which it's used. And so the problem with its use here in Galatians 5.22 is that there is little context to guide us but there may be at least two ways we might be able to come to a proper understanding of the Word. So uh, you would think of all the words we know, goodness would be the easiest and it's proving most difficult at this juncture. So how we're going to do this is we're going to compare goodness uh, to the words just and to the word evil, to the word just and evil considering the two examples in the New Testament also of what are universally agreed to, especially with the Bible, 
two very good people. And so we'll look at it in that context. So let's begin with comparing goodness to the words just and evil. The Greek is often compared goodness to justice. Uh, goodness is often compared to justice. Uh, one biblical writer or theologian rather writes that justice, they say, is the quality which gives a man what is due to him. Justice is the quality that gives to a man what is due to him. Goodness, on the other hand, is the quality which is out to do far more than that and which desires to give man all that is to his benefit and his help. So justice gives to a man what is due him. Goodness goes beyond justice. It gives him what would benefit him the most. And again, the man who is just, just sticks to the letter of his bond, uh, the man who is good goes far beyond it. And so the idea is, is that the primary idea of goodness is generosity when it's compared to justice. So I want you to get that concept of generosity when you compare it to justice. The man who is just sticks to the letter of his bond, where the man who is good goes far beyond it. So it's a concept of generosity in light of justice. But in the New Testament, the word from which goodness comes from is often contrasted with evil. It is contrasted with evil. In a few places, the words evil and good have a particular meaning. Uh, well, really, they have particular meanings. Uh, again, you're having that concept of the sense being used. And so in the parable of the laborer, for example, the parable of the laborer in Matthew chapter 10 verse, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 20 verse 15, Jesus is talking about the laborer. He talks about an evil, well, let's just look at it. Just go over with me to Matthew 10. That, maybe that will help us even more. Matthew 20, Matthew 20, 2-0. For some reason, I've got 10 on the mind. And uh, Matthew 20, verse 15, you have the parable of the worker in the vineyards. And uh, uh, you have this story where... Um, you know, there, there's a lame, let's just begin in verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers in his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. And as you know, the rest of the story goes on. The men that started early in the day were paid a denarius. And the latecomer that came at the end of the day when the shift was over, he worked a little while and he was paid a, a denarius as well. And the workers who came early, who labored all day, were upset that the man who didn't work as much as them was paid the same amount. And Jesus says in verse 15, it says, Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things, or in your eyes evil because I am good? Now we're talking about how the word evil and good are used differently in this passage here in verse 15 of Matthew 20 when Jesus says, um, it, or is your eye evil, the word evil there means envious, while good means generous. It means envious for evil and good for generous. 
go over here to Matthew chapter 6 and the Sermon on the Mountain. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19, uh, verse, yes, verse 19. It says, Do you lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal? But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The lamp is the body is is the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Well, the context here again speaks of evil or the word bad. The word bad. The bad eye, the evil eye, which is a begrudging and ungenerous eye. That word is used over in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 22. In Proverbs 28, 22, it says right here, A man with an evil eye hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. So Jesus here uses the word bad for evil. Okay, so evil is envious. Evil is bad. It is ungenerous. So here it's completely characterized and it's opposite from goodness, which we have seen Jesus use for the word generosity. Now he says here, in contrast to the eye that is good, which lays up treasure in heaven by being generous to others. That again is used in the New Testament in the same sense if you go over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. In 1 Timothy the sixth chapter, <clears throat> he talks about this word, or well, the biblical writer does, and we know the biblical writer is the Holy Spirit. In verse 17, it says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives to us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they, that they be rich in good works ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. What are we seeing right here? This word good is, is, is pointing exactly to what we've already been saying, the concept of generosity. So evil is the idea of, suggests this idea of, of envious, of, of bad, and being ungenerous, whereas good speaks of being generous, and it, it speaks of being generous particularly to others, the opposite of bad, and the opposite of envious, but of sharing, of, of giving away. So how do we define goodness then? With Let me just summarize it for you. The person who displays goodness, and you might want to write this down, the person who displays goodness is not like the person who simply gives to another what he has earned. Okay? The person who displays goodness is good, giving what is or what was not deserved. Giving what is or was not deserved. That's what goodness is. The person who displays goodness, here's another one, the person who displays goodness is not like the evil person who begrudges everything he has to give, but is good. He is, now look at me, he is both open-hearted and open-handed. 
That's the idea of goodness. So if you want to take anything away, it's generosity. This word goodness is generosity of a, where a person is open-hearted and open-handed. Okay? That's, that's, that, I think that kind of does the trick. Using the Bible to interpret for us what the Bible says, which is the best form of interpretation. And uh, so you might ask, well, how can I, how can I do this? How, how could I sit at home and find out what this word means like you did, uh, Pastor? Well, there's a few ways you can do it, and I, I have a little bit of time. It has to do with the kind of Bible you have. If you have a study Bible, typically words like this might have a footnote, which will tell you of a definition down at the bottom of the page. It might have several numbers. If you have, for example, like the Hebrew-Greek keyword study Bible by Spiro Zodiatis, it'll take you to the back. It'll give you its link to the strong concordance. In other cases, it will do, like I do, it will cross-reference. Um, you can have what is called a pit and minion Bible, which has that center column down the middle of your page. And it will, like goodness, will have a letter uh, G or a letter Z or something, and it tells you to go look at these scriptures. And what that does is it doesn't take you to scriptures where the word is used as the same definition, but where it's used in sense or context. And, uh, and then there is the other way, and uh, it's the way that I use. You can invest in a very large Greek lexicon uh, computer program and uh, it'll do it for you. And so uh, uh, it just depends. And of course, you can always call up here and ask. I would be, there. nothing would thrill me more than to help you uh, know uh, the mysteries of the Scripture. Well, it has been said that goodness is easier to recognize than it is to define. You might want to write that down. Goodness is easier to recognize than it is to define. And with that in mind, I want to consider two people from the New Testament. The first example of good people in the New Testament, this is point number two, two examples of good people is, the first one is Barnabas. Barnabas was a good man. Barnabas was a good man. We read about him in Acts chapter uh, 11, and you'll also want to go to Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 11, we see right here in verse 24, the Bible says, For he was a good man. Now what do we know about him? We recognize him, but he was a generous man. He was open-hearted and open-handed. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Alright, so that's talking about Barnabas. Now go over here to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. So the Bible in Acts declares him a good man. Okay? He was generous with his possessions. That's the first thing we can see. Remember, goodness means to be open-hearted and open-handed. And so we read in Acts chapter 4, look with me at verses 32 through 37. The subject heading is sharing in all things. It says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, 
for they had all things in common. And this, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all were possessors of lands or houses. They sold them and, bought, and brought the proceeds of all things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they were distributed to each other as anyone had need. And Joseph who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which translates son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So here's a man that had great property and he sold it and he brought it to the apostles for all of those who had need could lack nothing. He was open-hearted and he was open-handed. Okay? And so... This is consistent with our de definition above as one who is good is generous to give to others what is not deserved. He, he was generous in giving good to others that is not deserved. He was happy to see the progress of other peoples. He, he was not envious. If you go back over to Acts chapter 11, now keep your place there, but if you go back over here to Acts chapter 11, verse 23, it says, and when he came and... He, and he had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all with all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. So here he is encouraging again. He was a happy man. What were they encouraged about? What were they being encouraged about? Well, he had he literally was providing for their sustenance, and he was not envious that they had what was once his. He encouraged them to continue in the Lord. And I will tell you as God does not forsake His own. He, he, just, he just doesn't. And, and uh, He gives good gifts, and he, gives, he takes care of His people. His righteous will not beg bread, and he, he provides, and He is not envious. And we have this picture here that even in the ancient churches, it, it struggled at its very beginning, and those believers were separated from their family and their, their places of business. I mean, these were Jews that were... That, that were rejected by their family because they, they became followers of Jesus. God caused in them to be born again. They, they became men and women in Christ Jesus. They, this was, this is, they, they struggled deeply, and Barnabas was giving them a physical manifestation of the spiritual truth of God taking care of His people, who is not envious of their gain. And so this is consistent with our de definition. He was not begrudging the other's success. Okay? He was not begrudging the other's success. And Barnabas was encouraging others. As we see here, he was liberal with his words, with his good words. And that's how he got his name. As it says in Acts 4.36, he is the son of encouragement. Okay? Now, there's another person I want to share with you. Go over here to Acts chapter 9. I said there were two people. Here's the second one. Her name is Dorcas. Her name is Dorcas. Dorcas was a good woman. In, in verse 36 of Acts chapter 9, it says right here, At Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. Now, did you see the context of that word, good? There you have charitable. She is open-hearted and open-handed, 
Okay, she's good. And so she was full of good works and charitable deeds. Even in her death, her goodness was being felt. Look, look down here at verse 39. It says, and then Peter rose and went with them. She, she had died. That's what the passage tells us. She had died. And Peter went with them. And when they had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by him weeping, showing their tunics, their garments, which Dorcas had made while she was still with them. And of course, here you have this picture that all the widows were showing all of the wonderful garments and gifts and clothing that this woman Dorcas had given to, uh, to them, these widows who had nothing. And I have a message entitled, A Woman Too Good to Lose. A Woman Too Good to Lose. I, I wrote it originally as a funeral message and then I, I turned it into a Sunday morning sermon. And it's an exposition of this passage on Dorcas, on, uh, on what a good woman she was. And the, the, boy, the point is here is I doubt they were praising her ability to sew. They, they weren't bringing those tunics and those garments to say, look at how she did all this cross stitch and look at her patchwork. They were rather, it was her charity in making those clothes for other people, such as the widows. So you have the picture of goodness and Barnabas, who gave what was not deserved. Uh, he gave out of the, what I would say, the largesse of his heart. He sold his property and laid it at the apostles' feet. He, he did what was good. If you go to Acts chapter 5, you'll see that there was a couple that was envious of Barnabas. And they sold property and, and they laid it at the apostles' feet and said, this is all there is, when in fact they kept part of the proceeds back for themselves. It did not turn out too well for them. If you look at chapter 5 of Acts, you can study the contrast of the good giving of, of Barnabas with the envious uh, dealings of, uh, of, uh, of the characters mentioned in Acts chapter 5, and you can see the end of the two of them. And so here's the idea. You have the open-hearted, open-handed generosity of, of both Barnabas and Dorcas here. So all those who are truly led by the Spirit of God will produce the quality of goodness. Now, I want to prove that out to you. I want you to look with me, if you don't mind, at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We're in the conclusion. Paul is telling the Ephesus church to walk in the light. He says, For you were once darkened, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit is, full, is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Did you hear that? The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness. And so here you have this idea that those led by the Spirit of God are going to be producing within the quality of goodness. That is, that is the Spirit that is not envious, that's not evil, that's not selfish, but is one that is open-hearted, open-hearted and open-handed. That's the idea. And that is doing kind things beyond what is expected or required. And we learned about kindness is, is getting people to the place of ease helping them to be at ease with, with us. 
Such was the case of Barnabas and Dorcas. And Paul was confident that such was true of the brethren at Rome. In, in Romans chapter 15, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, he says right here, he says, Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. So here he has this, notice he doesn't talk about their knowledge first, and he doesn't talk about their, their uh, fidelity to write. He talks about write, R-I-G-H-T. He talks about their goodness. He is confident in their goodness. So here's the pastoral question I want to ask as we close this lesson. Could He say the same about us? Could He say the same about us? That He is confident of our goodness, of our charitableness, of our open-heartedness, of our open-handedness. That we should be full of goodness is only natural. Though for God who is our Father demonstrates His own goodness and and He did this by giving His Son. He gave His Son out of His own goodness to you and me. It's written actually very clearly in Titus chapter 3. In verses 3 through 7, the Bible says, For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasure, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards men appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Thus, having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You see, that's the greatest thing God has demonstrated His goodness, His open-heartedness, His open-handedness by giving us His only begotten Son that has made us heirs of the kingdom and co-heirs with Christ Jesus. May I ask you, have you submitted? Have you submitted to His saving mercy, to that washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit? Has God worked in you the calling to be born again? Is there something in you that desires, not seeks, but desires more than you have that is not earthward but heavenward? The gospel of Christ is come. Come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest for I am good and gentle and I will and learn from me. That's what Jesus is. He is good. He is gentle. He is open-hearted. He is open-handed. He wants you to come to Him. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Why, do, why, why is it then not so today to heed Paul's call of goodness? Let me close with this word. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. What kind of works? Those of us called of God, we are to maintain good works. We are to maintain works that are not envious. 
but works that are open-hearted and open-handed. These things are good. They are open-hearted and open-handed and profitable to men. I hope you've enjoyed our time together. I have certainly enjoyed being with you. Lord, we ask you in the name of Christ Jesus to work this goodness up in us to be more open-hearted and to be more open-handed. And that, Father, that if there is any envy within us or strife or evil within us, that, Father, you may reveal it and may evil be replaced with good. We thank you for showing us the way through these biblical characters just today of Barnabas and Dorcas, but above all, above all, we thank you for Christ Jesus, whom you gave because you lost that you so loved the world that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We love you and we thank you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a great night. I'll see you soon.